Amen. Amen. Good morning. Yes, I do sound a bit um, bunged up this morning, so keep praying for me. Maybe the Lord will shut me up at the moment that uh, he wants me to stop, so maybe be praying for that. All right? It's great to see you this morning. Great to see all your lovely smiling faces. Um, if you're new with us, um, you'll join us a halfway through a series uh, we've called 40 Days of the Holy Spirit. And again, if you're perhaps been new with us in the last few months, um, you perhaps don't know that at the start of every year we do a 40 Days of Something series. So this is kind of our regular rhythm. If you stay with us, uh, next January we'll do a 40 Days of Something Else. Um, and like we always say with these series, that one message in one sense builds on another. Uh, so we just encourage you to go onto our YouTube channel. If you use the hashtag Coastline Vineyard, look for Sunday Experience, you'll see um, previous uh, messages there. John started us off a couple of weeks ago talking about the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Uh, Sarah last week talked about Holy Spirit speaking to us. Uh, I'm looking at the subject of being filled with the Spirit today. Uh, two weeks' time, my dear friend Lance is going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And then Sarah again talking about how we live with the Holy Spirit every day. And then Johnny is wrapping up the series uh, talking about the Holy Spirit in the church. So lots of good stuff to come. Lots of good stuff's happened the last few weeks. Just encourage you to go on to our, to onto our YouTube channel and just catch up with those if you've missed out. Uh, but it's great to see you here today. And we're talking about this important subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I guess when we talk about a subject like that, it kind of demands some pretty straight questions, doesn't it, when we approach Scripture for a subject like that? Uh, straight questions like, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? Who gets filled with the Holy Spirit? And how do I, do we get filled with the Spirit? And I'm hopefully, as we go through this morning, uh, we'll answer most of those questions, uh, maybe not necessarily directly, but indirectly at times. And it would be fair of me to say right at the start of this that many of us will come at this subject really based on some experiences we've had or some teaching we've received. And I would acknowledge sometimes that not all of that has been helpful. Not all of that has been good. Uh, certainly in my case, I would say, all right? So I acknowledge that in front of you, that, that you know, some of us come at this subject through uh, a poor experience or, or some bad teaching on it. So we, I wanted to get us back to Scripture today, and I want us to look at God's Word and use that as our model for what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And if you want to look, a lot of the Scripture is going to come up on the screen, obviously, um, if you've got a Bible, Acts 1 and Acts 2 is kind of where we're going to focus a lot of our time this morning. Um, and I would say that one of the reasons there is this sort of kind of uh, diversity sometimes in opinion about uh, what happens when we get filled with the Spirit, who gets filled with the Spirit, even what we call it. Luke isn't particularly helpful in Acts, let's be blunt about it, right? Uh, for, I read, a, um, if you've... Uh, uh, I don't know if you, how much you read all these kind of things, but there's Michael Green's I Believe in the Holy Spirit is a, is a really good, useful book. And he says this lovely statement. He says, those who are looking for a definitive theology about how the Holy Spirit comes and moves uh, from the book of Acts is going to be a bit disappointed, right? 
And part of the reason he says that, it's just the norm that people in those days, rightly so, they expected all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And, and Acts, in Luke in Acts, talks about different ways, uh, in one sense, that people are filled. He even calls it different things. He called it filled with the Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was poured out on them in Acts 10. Holy Spirit came on them in Acts 19. So we need to try and ground this in Scripture, and we need to get back to Scripture to, 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 to ground this properly. And when I say back to Scripture, I want us to go way back, as in back into the Old Testament. And I want to just introduce a story to you that's on, on face value is a little clunky and a little weird. You think, Phil, why on earth are you talking about this? But it's one of my favorite stories about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Now, might come a bit of a shock to you if you're new to faith and new to church that the Holy Spirit was around in the Old Testament, but he was, right? Uh, but he came on particular people at particular times for particular purpose. You know, we don't get this sort of universal uh, filling of the Spirit across God's people. Only certain individuals were filled, it seems, in the Old Testament. And one of those was Moses. Uh, if you want to have a look at it, have a look at it in Numbers 11. And there's a story there, and we're going to just have a look at the story down from verse 24. But I'm not going to, and we've got a lot of scripture to look at this morning, which I'm not going to apologize about. Uh, but I'll just maybe summarize it and then just quote this one verse here. And the story here is of Moses uh, leading the people out of uh, Egypt. And as you know, if you know that story, they had a bit of a moan and groan about why did we ever leave Egypt. And Moses has a bit of a rant, frankly, at God and says, look, if this is the way it's going to be, you might as well kill me now because I can't be doing with this. It's doing me head in, right? And uh, that's basically, basically what he says. And uh, God, in his grace, says, well, you know, I'll be graceful. I'll, you picked, or I'll pick 70 elders from among the church, from amongst the church, amongst God's people there, if you like, and I'll pour out my, take some of the spirits on you and pour it out on them. And, and the instruction is they should come to the tabernacle for this thing, and 68 obey, and obey to do that, and two stay back in the tents. And it says the Holy Spirit comes, and basically, you know, they all start prophesying. And this is the thing. Even the two rebels who disobeyed the instructions start to prophesy as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And someone notices this and runs up to Moses and said, Moses, stop them. You know, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't, they've not followed the rules. They shouldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Moses has this beautiful, beautiful line. And hopefully it'll come up on the screen. He says, are you jealous for my sake? Are you jealous for me? I wish that the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them, on all of them, literally it means, okay? So Moses recognizes that, that there was a day that he prophetically saw when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. That was his, uh, that was his longing, that was desire, his desire. So come forward a couple of hundred years, come to the prophet Joel, and Joel, in chapter 2, prophesied by the Spirit of God that that day would come, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. We often quote this. I think we quoted it last week. Uh, Joel 2, 28. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. I emphasize for effect. 
I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, etc., etc. You know the verse, all right? So Joel is saying there's going to be a day by the Spirit of God, he, he prophesies there's going to be a day when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of God's people. Okay, on in our time machine a couple of hundred years again. And we get to Matthew. Now, the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3. Can I get it come up on the screen as if my magic it appears? Um, thank you, uh, technical team. Wonderful. Uh, Matthew 3. And we've got John the Baptist here. Now, John the Baptist was sent as a messenger to prepare the way for Jesus. And his message was one of repentance to the people to say, you know, uh, turn away from your wicked ways. Messiah is coming. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. Repent and be baptized. Start this new life uh, that, that, that uh, is going to begin with Jesus and, and going on from there. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing that John the Baptist says. He says to the people, I baptize John, uh, sorry, this is Matthew 3 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. Basically, is what he was doing. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And notice, of all the things he could have said about what Jesus was going to do, he's going to uh, die on the cross for your sins, he's going to be raised, he's going to heal the sick, he's going to raise the dead. No, no, no. Of all the things he could have talked about, he says this. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We could do it with a bit of fire in here this morning, but that's another story, right? Uh, it's particularly cold today, I think, but there you go. Um, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that word there, baptize, you'll know it if you, if you know your scripture, be immersed in, to be completely submerged in. I completely submerge you in the water to show a, an act of repentance, says John, when he comes, when the Messiah comes, he will submerge you, bury you in, completely pour you in the Holy Spirit. And uh, as you appreciate, the Bible wasn't written in English, not even in medieval English, sorry to break the Church of England's heart. Um, but it wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek, and there's some subtlety here in the Greek language that we miss in our translation, because he says this, I baptize you, singular, one person, with water for repentance. That's what he did, one person. But he will baptize you, plural, all of you, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All of you. Notice I'm stressing that point. Okay, Acts 1 now. Come on, a couple of years now, no hundreds anymore. Acts 1, and hopefully you have your thumb in there. Uh, if you are in a seat and there's a Bible in front of you, you don't have one, then uh, maybe that's one you could take home because there should be some spare ones lying around. And in Acts 1, we have Jesus, almost Jesus' final words uh, to his uh, followers, his disciples, uh, as he ascends into heaven in Acts 1. And Luke wrote the book of Acts, just in case you wonder why I'm referring to Luke uh, quite a few times. And in Acts 1, he says this, Acts 1, verse 4, and again, hopefully up on the screen. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, I stress again, for the gift my father promised, 
which you've heard me speak about. And he talked a lot about it in the Gospels. You'll know some of those places if you're familiar with that. For, and again, he quotes it. You notice this? He's quoting John. For John baptized with water, but in a few days now, not hundreds of years, a few days, you will be baptized, you'll be submerged in the Holy Spirit. And there's a bit of a conversation. Then we go on to verse 8. But he says this. You will receive power. This is the new thing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And, and, linked, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said that, he's risen up into heaven. And so finally this day, that all those prophetic longings, all those prophetic callings for arise. We get to Pentecost to Acts chapter 2. And again, if you've got your thumb in the, the Bible, there, hopefully you're with me now on this. Uh, Acts chapter 2, the day when all of these prophecies at Moses' longing uh, was to be fulfilled. Acts 2 verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, uh, it was a Jewish festival, they would have been in Jerusalem as devout Jews, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house while they were sitting. Sitting, you notice. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this little miracle occurs. He says, now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this kind of crazy sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. The Holy Spirit poured out this miracle and they spoke in different languages. They spoke the gospel. You know, forget Google Translate here. Here we go. The Holy Spirit's doing this, right? Converting one set's people in their own language through what these guys were saying. And they, and they were amazed. He says, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And I won't read the rest because it's a famous bear trap for anybody that reads Acts chapter 2. So I'll stop there. Now... Luke's writings here in Acts is talking about here this being the fulfillment of those promises, the fulfillment even of just from that one chapter before uh, of Jesus' kind of repetition of what John said he was going to do. And much as I'm saying, you know, Luke perhaps doesn't give us a brilliant model here, I think there is a model here that we can learn from of what happens uh, in Acts 1 and 2 about how we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the model is this, simply I say, gather, wait, receive, and go. That's my four-step model. Gather, wait, receive, and go. So let's talk about gather. Now, what did they do? They were together in one place. Now, I'm not trying to decry uh, that God can't meet with us individually on our own, and he has, and he does, and, and that's been my experience, if I'm honest. Uh, God can meet us individually, but there is something special about the church coming together to seek God together. And in fact, that was their regular practice. If you go back to Acts 1, Acts 1.14, it says they joined together constantly 
in prayer, along with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In fact, don't get the impression this is a group of 12 or 11 disciples, depending on who was in and out at that stage. Um, this was probably a group of 150, kind of Luke talks about in Luke chapter 1. But they gathered together something significant about gathering together. They, Acts 2 in one sense was just another day in the office, and another day in the church. It was another day of them gathering together in one place. And this sensational miracle happens as they receive the Holy Spirit. So gather. Number two is wait. What was Jesus' instruction? It's explicit instruction. Wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised. And these guys, bear in mind, were Galileans. This wasn't their home. They were staying in a travel lodge in Jerusalem, right? And Because uh, they were up for the festival. So it would have cost them money, I assume, to stay over. And, but they were obedient to it. They were, they were told to stay in Jerusalem, to wait. And that's exactly what they did. They waited for the moment that Jesus had promised, that the promise of the Holy Spirit. Wait, so that's something we should learn as well. We, we often talk about this, the need for waiting, not to be in too much of a hurry, not to, to, to be in too much of a, uh, you know, too much haste to try and get away and to go, let's go because the, the dinner's roasting away and we've got to get out, get out. Let's wait. That's important that we wait. The third thing is receive. And receive, with it, I didn't want to have too many words because it's nice to say one word, receive. But I meant really receive with an open heart. Have an open heart here. You, you notice what they were do, doing. They, they were in a place where they were willing to receive. And that's important, isn't it? And, and Jesus said, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive, notice, power. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit um, comes. You will receive power. You know, it's the order here, right? They, they didn't get on with the things of the kingdom and then got the Holy Spirit later kind of thing. They, they, you know, the order was to wait. Don't, don't get on with doing all the other stuff first. Wait first. Be equipped. Be enabled first. And then get on with doing the things of the kingdom. All right? So wait. Important that we learn from that. And the final thing was to go. Because having received the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, they were called to be, as Jesus said would happen, witnesses of the kingdom. In fact, this sensational miracle, as you saw, uh, it's, I think Luke says there were 3,000 people got saved that day and added to their number that day. So, so the last thing we have to recognize that when we received the, received the Holy Spirit, we're then called to go uh, into the things of the kingdom. Just flip back to uh, Acts 1.8 with me again just for a couple of seconds because we need to talk about this power thing, Right? So it says, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Now, what does that mean when we talk about that? Because sometimes we can get a different, you know, maybe a, a funny view about what this means. Now, this isn't a superpower, right? Sorry to break a few hearts here, but here it goes. This isn't Marvel. You're not getting some superpower when you receive the Holy Spirit. Forget what you've seen on the telly. And look, if you're a Star Wars fan, I'm sorry to break your heart, but this isn't the force, Okay. This is not the force. It's not some disconnected energy or some disconnected power, okay? The power is a person. The power is a person. 
When we receive power, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And that power is linked, is grounded. The, the power of the Spirit of God is grounded in the kingdom of God. So when you and I receive power, we're receiving power of the kingdom. It's his power. It's not our power. It always is his power. But the joy is, as you and I, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we get to move in the authority and the power of the king and the kingdom. As we move in the things of God, we move in the authority and power of the kingdom. And if you like, we become a channel, a conduit on which that power comes into this world. We advance the kingdom of God because we're carriers of the power of the king. But it's not, say, don't get excited that it's some kind of superpower that you're given and you go and do what you like with it. It's not that at all. It's the power is a person. So that's one thing. The second thing is the power has a purpose. The power has a purpose. The Holy Spirit isn't a private theme park for the church. It isn't a place for us to go and play and to enjoy and lock the doors and keep it all for ourselves, right? That's not the purpose. The power, of the, the power has a purpose. And, he, and notice what Jesus says. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses to essentially the, the then known world. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it's equipping. It's an enabling to do the things of the kingdom, right? Now, that, we, we're going to go and talk about gifts. I think, Lance, you're doing this in a couple of weeks' time, my friend. Uh, in two weeks' time, Lance is going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, right? And it's important that you understand that. And, 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 and much of this can be God gifting us to do the things of the kingdom. But sometimes it's just about cleaning us up, right? About, about sorting our character out. You know, sometimes that preparation is the thing that needs to go on in our heart. But the power has a purpose. Don't ever think it's just there to be enjoyed and lapped up and that's it. Whoopee, let's go for the next one, right? It's not a theme park. You know, we're there to do a job for the king, right? And serve in the kingdom of God. So, so when we encounter Jesus and he fills us with his Holy Spirit, he transforms us more and more into his likeness. And that's part of that equipping and enabling to do uh, to do his work and to be people of the kingdom. Okay, so let's try and ask, answer this question as we come into land here. Uh, uh, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And again, we get this from our, um, uh, just from Acts 1 and Acts 2, I think are probably good examples of that. Uh, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This power is an equipping, it's, a, it's an, an enabling in ministry. And Jesus uh, very clearly says that that power was to come and, uh, and be enabled for a, a mission, a purpose. And, and we talked about gifts, we talked about these, uh, I like the little phrase I read, these, these little gracelets, little drops of grace uh, that God gives us by his spirit. Uh, supernatural abilities to do the things of the kingdom. That's a sign of a church being filled with the Holy Spirit, is they're filled with power, full of grace gifts, uh, and ministering in those gifts. So that's certainly one uh, that we can say is a sign of being filled with the Spirit. The second thing is that we're witnesses of the kingdom of God. 
We do the stuff in John Wimber's kind of language, I guess, right? You know, we do the stuff. And that's a sign of a church and an individual being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're out there doing the work of the kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom. We're taking the message of the kingdom forward. We're servants actively engaged in the ministry of the king. Our hearts constantly filled with his goodness and taking that goodness to the ends of the earth. So the second sign is we're witnesses. And the third sign, and we often forget this, and to our peril perhaps sometimes, the third sign is we grow fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, God in his grace doesn't leave us where we are, but changes us, transforms us more and more into his likeness. If we're not growing more in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, then we're not filled with the Spirit. That has to be a fruit that comes from us as we grow in him and are filled with him. Sadly, power is not always a guarantee of character. And character, I would say, is not always a guarantee of power either, right, by the way? But that's true. So, so when we are filled with the Spirit, we'll, we grow the fruit of the Spirit. So lastly, so who can be filled with the Spirit? I want to just take you to one last scripture, Ephesians 5.18. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. And it's a, again, it's a slightly odd one in one sense. It's almost like a passing remark by Paul as he closes out this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he, and he sort of throws this line in his sort of final summary. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his instruction to this church in Ephesus, to be, not to be drunk, but to be filled with the Spirit. And filling in Scripture denotes being governance, being ruled, being controlled by, under the submission of something. And the contrast here is don't be under the submission of, of the alcohol bowl. Don't be under the submission of too much wine, because that will just ruin your life. You'll end up wasting your life away. But, and it has a very negative result, I would suggest. But instead, more positively, allow the Holy Spirit to govern, to rule, to control you to be under the submission of him. That would bring a much more positive result in your life. And again, just coming back to the sort of original language, there's a couple of things to to stress here that are important. The first thing about this word fill is it's in the present tense. It's in the present tense. So it means, really, that translation could be, uh, the words could be translated, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You may have heard this before. But, uh, but it isn't a one-time occasion. This is the thing I want to stress here. It's not a one-time, you know, once you've been filled, that's it for the rest of your life. You know, as we serve, think you, uh, I know the illustration sometimes is overused, but think of yourself as a glass of water filled to the brim. And as you're shaken, as you're moved about, so some of it spills out. And as we're involved in the things of the kingdom, so, so the glass starts to get you know, it starts to, to splash out around us in one sense. 
So we need topping up. We need regular topping up. We're going to carry on giving out. We're going to need to carry on receiving. It's amazing how often we go about the things of the kingdom and don't get the filling of the Holy Spirit before we go. We go and do it in our strength, right? So, so the translation here is very much about keep on being filled, continually be filled. And the other thing to say about this fill verb, uh, terrible, it's uh, fill, but there you go, uh, fill verb, is um, it's that we're all, it's plural, we're all to be filled. In one sense, again, translation could be, all of you be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do the work of the kingdom without it. If you're as old as me, you'll know the American Express advert from a long time ago. Don't leave home without it, they used to say, right? They don't say that anymore now. Um, but that's, that's true about the Holy Spirit. We can't get on with doing the things of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. Okay, our time has gone, and so is my voice nearly. So let me just come into land with this, right? How then can I be filled? How then can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, what is Jesus very simply saying in Luke? So in Luke's first book, he says this. Well, he quotes Jesus. He says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And verse 13 there. If you, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's simply how it works. We just need to ask. And our loving Father in heaven, who loves us, gives us the right thing. How much more so will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And in one sense... When we receive the Holy Spirit, we don't get more of the Holy Spirit in one sense. But the Holy Spirit gets more of us. So this is about submission. This is about openness. This is about, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all yours, Lord. Right? The Holy Spirit gets more of us. That's what we're asking for. That the Holy Spirit would take hold of more of us. And allow us to be used for his purposes. And in the vineyard, we often use the phrase, come Holy Spirit. That's our prayer here. That's our ask prayer. Come Holy Spirit. It's been called sometimes the most essential prayer the church can pray, right? But what are we saying when we say come Holy Spirit? We're not saying he's not already here because he is, right? We're just inviting him with open hearts. That, you know, we're just gathering, we're, we're waiting we're receiving with open hearts, inviting God just to manifest his presence a little more in us. Come, Holy Spirit, to just to do what he wants to do, to give him the rightful place of authority and rule and reign over us. And we come with expectation that when we ask, because he's good, that's what he's going to do.